Hello, and welcome to another TARDIS Tropes special in the Russell T. 60th anniversary trio specials. We're talking about the Wild Blue Yonder. Uh, I'm your companion, David. And I'm your companion, Hannah. And I'm your companion, Victor. Ah, the first official uh, straight companion. (laughs) (laughs) Um... Yeah, so the Wild Blue Yonder opens with uh, Isaac Newton and a hilarious gag that goes throughout the entire episode. No, this one was the worst joke so far, but <laughs> it's so Russell, I like can't. I kind of like the joke. I kind of like Mavity. I, I doesn't bother <laughs> me. I think it's. I think it's funny throughout the episode. I don't know. Um, yeah, I'll be and a Mavity while if defender. I were showrunner, I would not personally do race blind historical casting yeah i think it's fine it doesn't necessarily bother me i just think it opens up doors for people to stretch uh in terms of uh historical representations yeah and uh and we you know we see that a lot in hollywood anyway with like light-skinned characters being cast as dark-skinned historical figures mm-hmm. but you know whatever no, I think you're right. Second thing, um, yeah, I mean, I think it's I think it's weird. I don't really know how to feel about it one way or the other. So ultimately, I guess I don't care. Um, I think but ultimately, it's, it's fine. It does feel like the question is why, especially if it's just for like a five minute for gag. Hamilton reasons. But but it's like it's like representation <laughs> for what? Like for Hamilton? Like I I understand why it's race blind casting. You know, like. I understand what they're ideologically trying to do there. I might not agree with it, or I, you know, you might hate it, or you might love it, but I understand. For this, it just feels pandering because they don't do anything with Isaac Newton being a person of color. You know, I mean, he's just there. I I, I hate this. Like, I don't. I'm not saying this in a negative way because I think it's perfectly fine for us to do this. But I think it's Russell's way of saying this show is woke. Get used to it. Yeah, sure. I, I think like, 100%. I think that's really. But I will the point always just bring up this anecdote but, that uh, Victor and my uh, Victor and my mutual friend uh, believed for the large chunk of his life that Eli Whitney, the inventor of the cotton gin, was a black man. No, that was just that wasn't me. I didn't believe that. That was no, no. Our mutual friend. Yeah, our mutual friend believed it. that. Yeah, yeah. And he believed this because uh, of one textbook that just didn't feature any uh, Eli Whitney pictures and only pictured slaves using the cotton gin. Uh, So, you know, representation matters. It changes people's perceptions of things and national identity and history. That being said, educational Doctor Who, right? Fans love this. Is this Um, one educational? No. (laughs) But it does depict a historical figure and explains that he invented gravity by having an apple fall oh, out of a tree. Excuse me, David, what is that like... what is that strange word that you just used? Here's the oh, thing, gravity. Gravity? I meant mavity. Well, you see, that's that's the real reason. It's if Russ if anyone gives Russell crap for making Isaac Newton like what is he, black Pacific Islander? I can't, I don't even know, but not white. He's like, Well, Isaac Newton, the inventor of gravity, was white, but 
Isaac Newton, the, the inventor, inventor of Mavity, was not. Oh my god. Yeah. Well, I know. I feel like Mavity is going to be a running joke moving forward. It no, might be. Yes. Done after this episode, come on. No. How long can it's they draw? Russell. It's so unfunny. It's it's. <laughs> you know. And by the way, you know the root of the word gravity is what? I have no idea, actually. Gravitas. Okay. Which means heavy. Sure. Heaviness, weight. Mm-hmm. So. Look, here's here's what they should do. They should. So what are we teaching kids? That it was just a word that uh, it just popped into his head. Here's yeah, what this, this episode of Doctor Who is not linguistically sound. It canceled. I agree. No, here, here's what they should I do. Agree. They should they should keep the Mavity thing for like nine episodes, and then eventually the Doctor gets sick of it, goes back in time, and just <laughs> to that exact moment, and just tells us, "It's gravity." And then he I goes away. I love this. Victor, I love that prediction. I hope that's what happens. <laughs> I think right, that would well, be great. Even if it doesn't, that's the headcanon for why they give up on this joke. <laughs> at least in the next at least in the next ten episodes they'll give up on it. Maybe, yeah. There will be some think, writer who comes in for season you know, fourteen and says, hey, you know, what I gotta put gravity it? in my script. Do I have to do the Mavity joke? Or they'll just forget. Yeah. No, I think I think Mavity is going to get resolved this season, but I think it's going to be a running joke. Um, all right. So the setting of this episode is that because Donna spills coffee on the TARDIS console, it blasts through various time zones, eventually landing on a spaceship at the farthest, furthest reaches of the universe that we've ever been to. We've been to the end of time. Now we're at, I guess, the end of space, you know, a point in space that is far beyond where light or gravity or anything can reach because it's just too far. I would just characterize this episode as Midnight 2. Yes. I, yeah, it's a spiritual successor for sure. Yep. And so it's it's as part of my thesis from last episode that, uh, you know, uh, this is Russell T. Davies' resume, these three specials, mm. that he's saying, I can do, you know, family fun adventure, quirky campy, bringing back 70s stuff. I can do, uh, you know, horror, hide behind the couch, uh, you know, low budget, not not low budget, but, you know, small cast, you know, yeah. bottle episode right. kind of thing. Uh, and then in the next special, it's going to be, oh, this this campy fun villain from the classic show that mm-hmm. uh, that he can bring back and have him really ham it up and uh, do a fun, you know, uh, Sherlock versus Moriarty story. Mm-hmm. And he can do that, too. So this is just part of the resume, is that he can still do Midnight yeah. again. But different. I think you're right, but I don't think it's a bad thing. No, no, yeah, I don't think it's all. a bad thing. Um, I love this episode. Yeah, I think this is the best episode in a very long time. Best episode in a very long time. Yeah, definitely yeah. best one since. Well, I don't know. I guess the other one was the best one since the Chibnall era. Like, there's just no <laughs> comparing. Yeah, but, but like, it, like I feel for me at least, it was like the the Star Beast. It was okay, but you know, it's like. If I, in the great scheme of Doctor Who, it's probably about as good, in my opinion, as, like, that werewolf episode in season two, you know? <laughs> I think it's better than that. I think it's like, around it's, uh, Boomtown. I, I like Yeah, Boomtown. but I, I just mean it's, like, it's like a pretty, you know, if, it's, like, a, an episode that in a season you probably wouldn't go back to that often if you were watching Here's, it. 
Here's uh, why people, no, I think people would go back, back to it. One. People would go back to it for the Donna resolution, you know? Yeah, yeah, I mean, they'll go back to it for plot reasons, but I just mean in terms of, like, grading it. No, uh, I think like, they'll go back to it because it's a jaunty, fun romp. Yeah. You know, people love going back to jaunty, fun romps. What they don't like going back to is, you know, played out kind of suspenseful mysteries that once the mystery is solved, you don't care about the mystery anymore. Mm -hmm. But this one isn't like that. The mystery builds in a very satisfying way over the course of the episode. The resolution is very interesting, and it has all these horror elements that really uh, stand out both visually and in terms of story from other things that we've seen, other doppelgangers we've seen, other uh, non-human, indescribable entities from other dimensions. You know, Mm -hmm. these aren't the boneless. They aren't the... um, they aren't the, uh, oh god, what what was the thing called in Midnight? It, it didn't have a name. I don't think the it Mrs. Ever, Silvestri. Yeah. yeah, I don't think it uh, had a name. <laughs> it, it's uh, you know, it we like have all the these kind of formless, extra dimensional creatures yeah. uh, in Doctor Who, and these are some of them. They are called the non things or the, the not no things. things. Yeah. Sorry, the it's the I think no it was not things. No, the no oh. things. N O Because they're nothing. Because they're nothing. I wrote down not things. I also no, thought it was so. not things, but I think it is. I, I think re- Hannah's right think that it's, it's no things. No things. Because that spells nothing. Well. <laughs> the, they're the noth ings. <laughs> yeah, there uh, you go. <laughs> it's lost in translation. Right. Um, so, you know, the, the reveal of these things is done in, I think, a somewhat moffity way mm-hmm. where you're using sort of the 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 film language to play a trick on the audience you cut from one scene of the doctor and donna to another scene of the doctor and donna and you're meant to just think okay well they've moved from one room to the other yeah but then it cuts back and that's your first indication that something is off are they doing sort of a parallel action because these are two interrelated tasks that they're doing? Or is one of them fake in each scene? And it becomes pretty apparent uh, immediately which one is fake because they say, uh, my arms are too long. And that's not a thing that Donna would typically say. I yeah. Don't think. She's a little self-deprecating, but she's not, you know, that self-conscious about her arms, I don't think. But no, I mean, we know... <laughs> off the bat which one of them is real because we know that donna like we just we left no, we yes you don't know immediately yes yeah. you do know immediately because yes. donna's donna and the doctor are in the room we haven't yet we've been following them since they got off the tardis and the doctor goes to another room and then he comes back and as soon as we find out that there's a fake doctor and a fake donna we know which one is which initially yeah. they get mixed up later i'm saying we don't know until it cuts back and then when right. it cuts back, we don't know which room we're in. We don't know if we're in the room with the fake doctor or the room no, with the fake doctor. No, we do. Yes, we do. Absolutely. Well, I didn't. Okay. <laughs> so there's always this thing of, you know, whenever you have to have a, an episodic adventure in Doctor Who, uh, where's the TARDIS gone? Mm-hmm. It's somewhere else that is inaccessible. Because if we could simply leave, we would. Then there, there would be, be a less plot. tension. Yeah. Right? So uh, they they reiterate this whole thing about the uh, the HADS, the Hazard Avoidance Detective Detection System. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
And, uh, you know, that that existed in the past, and then it didn't exist for a little bit, and they give a pretty good explanation for it, I think, uh, as to why they are, in fact, here, and why they are, in fact, stuck here. I think all of that makes sense, and that's something that Chibnall could never do, because he would just say, it was a combination of flux energy and something else that was happening at the time. Like, it would just be and two unicorn different things. Key. These two yeah, MacGuffins two combined. MacGuffins, and therefore it's not a MacGuffin because it's two MacGuffins. The, it's two of them. The radical uh, interaction of two different unrelated things. Right? So, like, how would the Doctor have known ever? Right. It's unpredictable. But in this one, it's unpredictable, but it makes sense. It, it, it tracks. And so I'm just drawing that distinction there. Yeah. I mean, uh, I don't know. Like. And then as far as the mystery elements, I think they make sense. In sequence. Sure, yeah. Um, we start off with this long hallway, and there's some kind of robot down there, but he's uh, not responding, yeah, yeah. moving very slowly. Rusty, you know. Uh, kind of looks like uh, the, the the things from Near Automata, if people know that yeah. uh, video yeah. game. Yeah, yeah. He does. He does look like those little robots. Um, and then you have the whole ship is saying random words because the TARDIS isn't here to translate, and this is from some weird language the Doctor's never encountered before, so they, they're counting down from Fenslaw to Radico. Yeah. I think that's when I stopped when I stopped writing down all the words. Yeah, yeah, Because yeah. uh, I thought maybe the... I didn't think that it was likely that what the words were would have any point. Yeah. But I thought, just to be safe, so I don't have to go back and find the timestamps, I'll just write them all down until I get an explanation. So I wrote down Fensla, Kalas, Brait, Gilvain, Stond, Ratico, uh, like an idiot. I mean... <laughs> Being tricked by the red herring <laughs> that they are words and not numbers. <laughs> oh my god. I, I love that you wrote that, them down. That's great note-taking. <laughs> what would we do without you, David? I don't you know. can add it to the same, wiki now. The same things. <laughs> no, they're on the wiki, of course. They've got to be, right? Um, but I think the the mystery elements, they make sense with the conclusion. Like, they all could have led you to that conclusion. Mm -hmm. It's not just a bunch of random red herrings. No, totally. And it's not just the doctor saying, well, it could be this. Oh, but it could be that other thing. It could be this other thing. They He does do the thing where he says... Uh, it could be something like a countdown, and so you're supposed to go, ah, yeah, well, yeah. it must not be a countdown. Right. But then it's forgiven because later in the episode he says, I said countdown. Mm -hmm. You know. And he also listed like three other it. things when he says countdown, too. So it's. Uh... Yeah, to try and obfuscate. But it, I think it's probably like it would always have been a countdown. There's no way it could be a warning because. Well, You'd have to then explain why they were separating the warning out into the words Fensla, Kalas, and Brait at different times. You could say that, like, oh, it's referring to different settings, but then you'd have to explain what each setting was. It, it had to be a countdown. There was no way it was anything else. The only part of the mystery that didn't really make sense to me or was a little contrived is... That the Doctor and the Donner, they're trying to get away when they're, like, super... When the other guys are, like, super big and they're stuck. And they're, yeah. like, climbing this wall. And the wall, like, because the countdown is triggering at the exact same time, like, just happens to flip. And the Doctor is, like, on the other side. And Donna, like, goes down. Yeah. It's like, what, what functionality is this doing? Like, this is such a, like... What are the chances that they would be on those panels and then it would take them to a separate part of the ship? And it just, I it's just a little contrived. the but. implication... 
because remember, and I don't know that this resolution makes sense, but it is a resolution and it does impact your viewing of it. That the doctor says everything has to be slow because these aliens don't really think in slow. So what they're doing when all these panels are flipping around and things are shifting is I think it's reorienting itself to be able to blow up. Yeah, I yeah, that yeah. That, that's I understand that's the implication. I'm just saying it's it's weirdly specific that they would be on those exact panels right when they move, and then it takes them into right. like a. Well, the, yeah, I mean, it it's just even has to move. It's, it's the ship even, is kind of modular. It's so even it lampshaded later on. Around. It's lampshaded later on because Russell. I think Russell yeah. knew this because there's a scene where the Donna and Donna and the Doctor are up against the wall, and then it flips them over to escape. But it flips them right back around, and like they're they like when they're getting flipped over, they're like, "Oh, this is so convenient!" And then they like get flipped back, and they're back in the same room. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, That's true. So it's lampshaded. Um, it's just kind of random, yeah. So they they have all these scenes where these not things who are doppelgangers from beyond space, uh, from the nothing, they're trying to mimic what these characters would say in order to convince them that they're real but there's no reason to do that no there is <laughs> they need they they want the tardis they want to trick the tardis into thinking it's right, them right 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 so they can steal the tardis and go to the universe so they're sort of practicing you know they're mirroring well it's uh, like a, like mean, a you know someone in an improv class well, doing some yeah, mirroring exercises well they're not things and they're trying to become things that's what they're trying to do yeah yeah it works it works yeah I'm being I'm being overly nitpicky in ways that don't even apply. Um, so yeah, the they're they're in these scenes, and it's unclear at any point in time what exactly from their memories they can copy and what they can't. But I think you need that for the ambiguity of the story to work. I just personally would rather have some kind of rule where it's like, oh, they have to think of the thing first in order for these people to scan it, you know. Or they have to have thought about it while on the ship or something. And then that would work if it was, you know, like, you know, where are you from, blah, blah, I blah. Mean, I, I think And then they don't know where, I think it's she, fine. where Donna was actually born because of the whole contrivance thing. But I think it's fine as it is because the way Russell does it allows him to uh, handle the Chibnall era better than Chibnall ever did in, like, th- two sure. seconds. <laughs> Yeah. Um, do we want to talk about that talk scene? about that yeah, i mean ahead. that that was uh probably my favorite scene in the episode just because one it has what was lacking during the entire chibnall era which is just like emotional stakes and like mm-hmm. to the characters and it's just like oh okay this stuff actually is bothering the doctor and also i didn't even realize that half the universe got destroyed during the flux because that's how poorly written it was that I didn't realize Maybe that Chris was the did not intend it but russell has the opportunity to solidify things and he makes the choices that do solidify but, story beats i mean I he's think, good at that he knows I, what the audience actually needs to know about the flux and it's not that uh you know carvinista exactly. knew me and he went off with uh, these other characters that, and it, right what that matters sad, is that, or maybe happy i don't know but it really but what matters is i you know i was responsible for the, the world being destroyed because i didn't know who i was or where i was from mm-hmm. the end <laughs> yeah which is very succinct is yeah it's, and it's, it's it's clear what he's angsting about is not just oh uh, i thought i was born on Galibri, but actually i was born somewhere else <laughs> it's is responsibility for mass 
chaos and, and death right. and, uh, you know, bringing on the wrath of these, these space criminals. Yeah. Uh, but I guess for people who didn't watch Shivnal, I wonder how they interpret that. It's impossible for us to but, interpret well, it as anything more than... It's uh, mystical than and... It's, like, mysterious and mystical enough that I think it, uh, for a casual audience, it's still going to make sense. You're going to be like, oh, yeah. interesting. The Doctor is... There's more to the Doctor, and, like, he's responsible for a lot of... He feels really guilty? Okay, like, it's easy right. to... It's well, a, I just think they'll more think of it as foreshadowing, like, oh, is the flux, like, a time war thing? You know, like, I, I'm just thinking, like, for people who skip the Chibnall era, do they think about looking that stuff up, or do they just go, oh, yeah, that was, that, that that's, I, like, when he kept talking about the Time War, but we I, hadn't seen the Time I War. I think most people are gonna be like, okay, whatever, because honestly, even yeah, if they, they do just get something back into happened. Who, yeah. they're not, they're not going back and watching Chibnall, you know, no, and I don't think... Might. Here's the they thing. Might. I don't you think shouldn't. anything <laughs> anything important from Chibnall's era, I don't know what that might be, but anything important from there that's going to get referenced moving forward, like they'll tell you the important parts. Like they'll assume you're not going back yeah. and watching. Um yeah, no, I think I think, you know, for the casual audience, if they really, for whatever reason, really get tripped up by it, they'll look it up or just forget about it. But I think for the high level takeaway of Okay, there's like some mystery with the doctor's identity, and he feels really guilty about something. Or very easy to track. You know, it's 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 simple enough. Yeah. Um, one element in this story that's uh, designed to be suspenseful is that whenever the aliens are around, it gets very cold, and they can see their breath. And I just kept thinking about, uh, yo, Danny Phantom. He was just thirteen. <laughs> You know, like that's how they usually signaled that there was, was a villain a ghost. around. That yeah, was like yeah, his yeah. spidey sense. Yeah. Um, so funny. So yeah, he's. When's the doctor gonna go ghost? Um, <laughs> he already has. At the end of the special, ghost. yeah. <laughs> well, I was thinking of um, specifically that that under the water episode where they they have like a ghost doctor. But anyway. It, we, <laughs> Before Which the underwater um, episode? What? B- before the before the flood, it's it's in the Capaldi era. It's uh, season nine. Yeah, you're you're not a real fan. Fake Shut fan. up. <laughs> it's like the you're one the where they go fan. to the, the, the fake. <laughs> what what gift sets have you reblogged recently? I'm not a Tumblr fan. I never <laughs> said I was a Tumblr. I have stand. I never tumble. <laughs> I stand tall. Um. So we we mentioned this briefly in the last uh, pod, but uh, this uh, this thing about like Tennant's performance, where he'll sometimes just go up to eleven, well, up to ten at least. Uh, <laughs> but um, <laughs> up to fourteen now. Not fourteen, yeah. <laughs> in just like one shot, and then he'll immediately go back down to like an eight. But he pulls something. it off. I don't know. Here, I don't think he does. Episode, but I don't think it's I like him. It. I think it's a directorial thing this so i think it's this kind of thing where he's reading the script he's got his own idea of how he's going to read each line right so he does a take and then they cut it off and then they're like all right now this is the take where you're actually going to be doing the emotion right and so he does his version and then they say eh, we're going to need a little more from you and he does it again but with more and he's like eh, we're going to need a little more <laughs> and he does it again with more and they say all right that's print we're moving on and then they do the next scene i don't think that and then it's like you have to be 
you have to be back down on the level because you're getting you're moving on to something less emotive so you have to bring the energy immediately back down so there's no rising and falling energy i, I don't think that's true for this episode I, agree I think it is where he Victor. where he starts freaking out and punching but no, the wall but, right but after no, seeing no, 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 no. I mean, what it is, is is he's getting worked up all during that scene, and he even yeah. like yeah. yeah, like it's a no. It's, it's clear that that's happening. I'm just saying. Yeah, he's getting pent up. And a he better director, I think, it's would fine. have him ra- ra- raising his voice a little bit more at the end of that scene rather than he going quiet. He is kind quiet, of raising his voice in that scene. He's no, kind he goes he goes quiet. He's like, how do you know that? Yeah, yeah, but then he's like. I blew up half the universe. Oh, you know, he does yeah. he just get kind of pissed no, off. He's in that at scene. like a four. No, he's at he's like not a four. A, that's just incorrect. That's just wrong. I, different interpretations, man. I, I mean I, I feel that way about the last episode when he realized he's gonna have to kill Donna. I think that is like a little bit zero to ten. You, but this, you didn't this like the sh- sad puppy dog eyes, but you're you're in it for the man pain. Yeah. No, that's the opposite is what he's saying. I, no, he's no, saying no, that the, the man pain dogs. goes too high. Too, too high. Well, no, no, no. He's like, if he's being sad about something, like, oh no, Donna's gonna die. When? Well, I, I mean, I, I th- that's, no, that's no it's not, it's not because right. of that. I mean, I don't mind the doctor being sad. The thing I hate about, I don't want to talk about it too much because that, well, now we're on the next episode, but it's just this self pitying that Ten does, where it's like, why does it have to be me? And it's like, uh. yo, you, you, this is, it should be about Donna. You're about to, ki- like, if you're gonna kill your friend, it shouldn't be about, <laughs> oh, poor woe is me. Should be like, oh shit, you're gonna die. You know, it's it's. I feel like, and it's the same thing when it's like when he's, when he's dying the first time, and Wilfred's like knocking. He's like, why does it have to be me? I could have done so much more. Like, he's just a very self. Yeah, but at that doctor. point, he at least realizes he's being a big baby. I know, I know. But I'm just saying. He, he, I and think, he says, oh, I've lived too long. I think some of the ways in which Ten <laughs> angsts is uh is very like self-centered. Yeah. He, he always centers himself in anything. He's got a, he's got an ego on him that one. Yeah. The doctor, yeah. Doctor Ten specifically. All of them. Um, do. All of them. Sure. Uh, there's the salt scene, which then gets a callback uh, at the yeah, very yeah, last yeah, yeah. line of the episode. <laughs> how, how did you feel about that one? Did, did that track for you? That because these guys are from outside of the universe they would believe that you have to do yeah a superstition I, I liked it I, I thought it was I don't know I didn't love it I didn't like hate it I I, I guess more towards the side of okay I guess it works if you say it does than like actual understanding I, of the mechanics I, behind it my, my right, thinking I think of it would work better if it was like you know, uh, if if there were more supernatural elements well, in well, there, but but my, where they were trying to explain, like, oh, these guys are like boogeymen or something, right? My, like it just it felt thematically odd. I well, think is what my, we're saying. My interpretation of it is that the point of it is the doctor is in his mind forcing himself to believe that it's real they're reading his mind and so they think that it's real but donna doesn't think it's real because they point that out they're like donna doesn't believe this but he's like well i believe it and it i'm smarter so you should trust me so it's like he's trying to psych them out with his mind reading things by playing into like the fact that they don't fully understand how beliefs work and that you can believe something and not believe it at the same time that that was then he invoked uh superstition yeah in a in a weird place, and that m- means that the the boogans are gonna get him. 
Because that's what happens when you invoke superstition yeah, in I mean, a spooky place. I guess. I don't know what that what that means. I think it's about it setting seems up very the toy alien master. to Doctor Who. It seems very non Doctor Who ish. Right. Well, as a thing to say. Yeah. That superstition would ever have any meaning anywhere. Right. Like well, I don't know. I think it I think it's non Doctor Who. But you know, of thing. course I Doctor Who no, can no, do no. many things. I think it's Doctor Who y. I don't think it's very in character for the doctor to be the one who's like, oh no, I just did a superstitious thing. Ah, you know, like it would make more sense if he was like talking about it to someone else and they went, but oh no, you did like a spell at the end of the universe. Like now you're going to die. Like that would, but he would just, he'd just be like, Pit. right. He would brush it <laughs> off, but then and then the plot. Well, but I don't, I don't even think the plot would support it. You know, like the, like, you know, when he goes and he meets the devil, and he's in complete denial about the devil existing, you know, <laughs> he he spends the whole episode just sort of blaspheming and whatever, and there's never an implication that, like, that's what gives the devil the edge, is that the doctor doesn't believe in him, uh. you know? It's always like, no, his disbelief in the devil is, it gives him strength over right. these weaker beings, or, or not weaker, but these people who obsess about superstition and the dark forces and whatever the doctor doesn't care about that stuff and that makes him more powerful than it rather than oh you invoke superstition now the boogans are gonna come crawling out from under your bed and they're gonna get you i mean that part i don't like as much i assume that it's set up for the toy master and why he's back that's the only thing i can think of is like yeah it's it's just like oh you you invoke superstition and that allows him to enter into our universe do 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 you know sure um but yeah i agree that it doesn't make a ton of sense i but i i like the scene itself because at least in my head i have a reading of it that i think follows the logic of the the episode for the most part right so then in the the final climax of everything like you said uh, in the previous uh, podcast a, a big glass wall comes down separating the the heroes from the villains conveniently and uh there's this whole fussy mess about don't think and it That's just very felt like we were retreading time heist or uh it's a very you know, moffat kind of thing or like listen yeah. or something. both both, both yeah. the power of fear and like the don't think was like very moffat yeah. uh it was and it's not russell-y you know i know but, but it's interesting that russell's doing it he's picked up yeah. on it i mean i think i think he was probably he i I assume Russell is a fan of Moffat's. I don't. Yeah. I think, and I assume he's polite to Chibnall, you know. And vice yeah. versa. <laughs> um, and vice versa. Yeah. Like they both take take stuff from each other. Like they're definitely influenced by each other. I mean, right. Moffat. But I mean, was... it is very midnighty in the sense that oh, yeah, this, this creature is trying to copy you, and the more you feed it in the form of like psychic, right. whatever. Which in Midnight was in the form of talking, mm-hmm. and in this one is in the form of, uh, you know, thinking. Mm-hmm. Uh, that by doing that, they are allowed to become more you. And I wonder what it is about this metaphor or this symbol that he finds so engaging. You know, like I'm trying to do like a queer reading of it because that's yeah. just my first instinct when it comes of, to Russell. Of, of D. What, I can't figure out. Or a political reading or something. You know, because typically in other episodes. Russell's themes are very on the surface, right? Mm-hmm. He'll do, he'll do an episode. He wrote Gridlock, right? Yeah. He'll do yeah. an episode where <laughs> smog and traffic 
and uh, and they bad people not caring about AIDS kills society. You know, it's very overt. And then you'll cut to something like this, and it'll be like, okay, there's something in here about like the need to be human, I guess. So there's like a humanist element to it, where it's like what they want more than anything in the world is to just be a normal mortal thing. But that's not what they want. They want to destroy the universe. They say so. Well, yeah. So for some reason, it's like humanism by way of demonism, you know, where the, these, there's, Evil forces. I don't think. I mean, I think you're over. Totally separate to me, it's from more of a fear of like of society. It it echoes more of like a changeling narrative, you know. Right. Which. But why? Why does that? Why does that interest them? You know what? What is it about that theme that resonates with his lived experience, or is it just? I mean, it's just that spooky. I mean, he's it, frightened of the other. I mean, it's not know, just yeah. frightening of the other. It's, it's about the frightening, the, the evil within people. It's about being replaced. Yeah, I, mean, I think that's scary. I think that. I mean, midnight. I mean, midnight is very also more. I'd say overt in its politics. It is like about that kind of which, like uh, witch hunty part of human nature and McCarthy mob mentality impulses. sort of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but this one, I think it's more. I'm just, just thinking about the word witch hunty. It, cool. it sounds very tumblery to me. Witch no, hunty. on on uh, <laughs> on Tumblr it would be witch cunty. Yeah. Yeah. Well, no, hunty is like a combination of honey. Yeah. So I was thinking it was like witch, witch hunty. hunty. I have not. I've not I'm heard this. <laughs> it, you gotta watch more drag shows, Victor. <laughs> uh, that may be true. I may be behind the times. <laughs> um. Yeah. It seems like every bluff in this episode doesn't work, right? It Except works for, a little for bit. well, including the salt. The salt doesn't work. It works for a while. A, yeah, I guess everything's just sort of delaying yeah. and slowing. But there's also Which another b- you know, bluff where they say, "Oh, Earth, pe- Earth people can think two things at the same time, and it won't be contradictory." And then they're like, "Yeah, but never mind." You know, <laughs> it's like it doesn't actually stop them or, right. or cause them to divert in any way. It just like well, I mean, it just keeps just, them talking. It bought them time. That's yeah, all it is. Sure. It bought them time. Yeah. It's just unclear exactly what all the time is is needed for because at the end you still just speed up the countdown to well yeah but they just don't which, which get... is a pretty basic plan that just the ship is gonna blow up right you know it doesn't it have seems to be odd anything. that in three years they, they couldn't yeah. figure that out just by ripping the you know the ship apart or you know no, trying to fly it I think somewhere. that's reasonable enough I think you're being nitpicky I think yeah I am. I think it's a good episode. But isn't it so fun that we get to be nitpicky again? And we don't just get to go, I don't know, what in this was good? (laughs) No, it's so true. But but no, I mean, that's what I was saying. Like, this is the first episode where it's like, I didn't, like, I liked it without, like, real conditions attached to it. I didn't like it with regards to, like, for a Chibnall episode or, like, I was just like, no, this is a really good episode of Doctor Who. This was like, this could have come out at like yeah. the peak of my Doctor Who fandom experience, and I still would have like been like, wow, that was a great episode, you know. And again, like a big part of what is likable about it, which is similar to the Star Beast, is the visual elements. You know, sure. just that it is a type of Doctor Who villain that literally we could never do before, right? Because it involves, you know, having to imagine big CGI stretched out versions of uh, the Doctor and Donna. And we all saw Cassandra. Through a big hole. Yeah. They could have done it. It just would have looked way worse. You know, I mean, yeah. it, that, yeah. that would never have stopped Russell back in the day. Though he's, I he's will been... say that, like, that type of body horror feels very Russell. You know? Yeah. 
Because it's also kind of campy and silly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But it's, it's very campy and silly. But it is um, scary. Like they have also. spooky teeth because yeah. they're like vampires. Well, that's not the have, part that's that know, silly. The part that's silly is the they have long, stretchy. The doctor arms. goes between his legs and goes, "You've been a bad boy, ninny nanny, ninny nanny." Whatever the hell he says, I don't know. What he oh, says. and he yeah. does uh, like yeah. spider David Tennant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, Donna turns into a puddle. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it's it's, uh, it's very silly, but I think it's, it's very good. it works well. Um, yeah. It, it doesn't take you out of it. Um, that was definitely something I liked was the scene where the doctor takes his tie off and drops yeah. it and he's like, that might work. And yeah. it turns out it's him trying to bluff yeah. and pretend to be the doctor more. Yeah. But yeah. then he like, he bluffs himself out because he's like, maybe these aliens are so stupid. They don't even know that you can take clothes off. I know that I'm a smart alien. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. Uh, and then he's it's like, like oh. oh, when you when you leave a thing, like, it's he just doesn't understand object permanence. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. So he's bluffed himself out on this. No, but it's I great. Love it. Cause, cause he didn't don't... have to take his tie off in the first place. I know, but it's great, because they're nothings. They don't actually understand matter yet. Yeah. They're slowly yeah. getting a grasp of just, like, existence. Yeah. Right. So then there's the resolution, which is that what these aliens can... They can understand anything that they can read in your mind, but what they can't understand is slowness. So the previous captain of the ship killed herself before they could read her mind and uh, programmed the ship to very, very slowly blow up, which it seems to me doesn't make a whole lot of sense, but it's a good explanation for the clues that we saw in the first half of the episode. But why doesn't that make sense to you? Because giving them three years to just study the ship, it seems like that would be enough, right? By that point, she must have seen these creatures, so they must have seen her, so they could at least take enough of a physical form to explore the ship, walk around it. Eventually, they'd be able to figure out that there's a countdown going on. Eventually, they'd figure out that the robot has something to do with it, and they just, to be safe, would just rip apart the robot. I think think they were a lot more insubstantial before the Doctor and Donna landed. Well, that's the the implication, but at least they had to be present enough that the Captain detected them. So yeah, yeah, but it, it's unclear. To, some physical form. I think that yeah. there is kind of an and they implication three that three years to try if, and practice doing whatever they'd learned to do at that but, point. But, but I think there is kind of an implication that, like the, well, well, no, no, that, that they have to form a complete bond before they're like able to live without a host. Like they need mm. to fully, perfectly capture it, and that's part of why she killed herself is because it was starting to become like her and get physical form and like. She sure, killed I mean, you can come up with explanations for it, but I just think it's not its not entirely believable or set up why slowness specifically would be more confusing to them than quickness. Well, it's like... It's like right? I agree. Why, why not just make the ship blow well, up no, immediately? Mean, it, it's like, um, well, maybe that, that that's true that maybe the ship could explode really quickly, or maybe the ship needs like half an hour to explode, right? Because it needs to reconfigure itself, and that's too fast. And but by like, that time, but it's like they could have out formed a... physical bodies to stop it, but they couldn't but do that over the course three, of three years. But what, I, yeah. but what I'm saying is... Um, it's like if you hear a, se- a recording of something, but it's slowed down a thousand times. You're not going to be able to make out what yeah. it's saying. No, I think that yeah. would be great. That isn't what they did. Yeah. <laughs> it's still very obvious this robot is walking down a hallway. And so you know it's trying to get somewhere. So if you know that the captain did some kind of plan, you know the robot's involved. Just push the little robot over at some point, right? <laughs> 
in the three years that you had, or in all the time that you had, what when you were chasing after they, the doctor and Donna, think, which you didn't have to do, you could have just left them alone. I don't and, think know, they even knew from a that there was a plan. Like I think they've just been waiting. They did. They said that explicitly that they knew that the captain had some knowledge that they didn't. Mm. Do they say that, or is that because they're? It's also like that weird scene where they're co-deducing together, so it's unclear yeah. what like yeah. is being discovered by. Well, I, I thought it was clear, but in any case. I don't know that the resolution on its face makes sense. It's one of those things where you just accept it, right? That these aliens can't process slow. And if you are willing to accept that, then everything else in the episode makes sense. It has internal consistency. Sure. What it doesn't have is a real clear explanation for why any species in particular would only be able to process information fast and not slow. Well, right. no, it's, you know. I, I, I find it a lot more believable than you guys, I guess. I mean, it's partially just like, you know, seeing a, if you saw like a rock in a river at a million times speed, you'd see it moving around yeah. and eroding. No, I agree principally, but that isn't what this story <laughs> was like. Like, that's a good metaphor for what Russell's trying to get across, but he didn't construct the plan in such yeah. a way where it's unclear what's happening yeah, yeah. unless you see it sped up okay. and it's not okay, even clear enough. why these aliens can't process things uh with differential timings yeah because they lived in a universe where time didn't even exist yeah, yeah. you know so why should they not be able to perceive time in very different ways from humans all right I fair I enough don't, i don't know anyway it has internal consistency which is more than can be said for a lot of the the mysteries in doctor who um, and then the resolution to all of this is the doctor speeds everything up to blow everything up. There's a big chase down the hallway. The two Donnas get mixed up like <laughs> like happens in every single doppelganger story since the dawn of time. Mm-hmm. It's the which one do I shoot ending. Russell likes cliches. He does them well. And uh, the doctor picks the wrong one. Again, a cliche. You know, it could, it could be... Uh, the the thing you know sure. or, I know it uh, on such or, a or casual of... like thing his test is such a bad test I know right. it's the his, worst test, his he's, test is, he's, he's why like... is Mrs Bean funny but I think that the that Russell would say well that's the point oh it's a you know, I, it's it's not a very obvious I, I know uh, but it's just it's just like this thing where it's like oh I have to ki- I could possibly kill my best friend right now let me ask one yeah. question about a joke okay good enough I know come in come in. <laughs> Yeah, good enough for me. Which uh, I thought I thought would be a good enough resolution. Personally, personally, I think it would have been good enough. Right. The only reason I'm questioning it is because he decided to do the twist. Right. Right. I think if he had said, "Why is Mrs. Bean funny?" Oh, because her name is the name of a vegetable. And then the other person says, "It, it just, just is." is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I and think that would have been a good enough Donna. reason to be able to tell Donna from a doppelganger. But what they've gone with is. No, there's no way to tell because they were so close to one another that any difference in what they say is just random. Right. Uh, yeah, yeah. And it's just different synapses firing. So it has to be that they made some mistake with the shapes and that her uh, arm was a millimeter, not even a millimeter, uh, six hundredths of a millimeter too too long. Yeah. Uh, all right. Any any other notes on uh, on this episode? Wolf he at liked, the end. He didn't. Wolf. Oh, yeah, Wolf. His uh, eyes yeah. are so excluded. blue and beautiful and yes. I got uh, sad Bernard about. Cribbins, may he rest in peace. Know. You know, uh, he was able to get this uh, 
this cameo. There's a chance that maybe he could have appeared in the previous episode, chance that maybe he was going to appear more in the next episode, but, uh, you know, uh, yeah, he... it was very, very close to the time where he died. It was yeah. only a couple months afterward that he passed. Yeah, I mean, uh, so that they, they take breaks between filming different episodes. Russell, Russell said on Instagram that initially he had stuff written out for the third episode for, for him to do, but unfortunately they didn't get to film any of that. But I mean, Bernard Griffith, yeah. he's, he is such a, like, he's just one of those actors that has so much charisma, like this specific oh, old yeah. man yeah. charisma, where it's just like any second he's on screen, you immediately love him. Like, he just immediately yep. endears you to him. Um, and it's a very rare yeah. talent. There's very not very many actors that do that and obviously old men are cuter than than most people they are more endearing <laughs> you know they have, they have they have an easier chat chance of doing that but i mean you compare you compare grant which i think is the closest we've gotten to a will graham Grant, exactly Can't my point in case my point in case uh <laughs> no there's no contest between graham yeah. and wilf like a hundred percent and that's my point. It's not just about being an old man. I'd like to it's see about, them in a contest, but now we never will. But it's about being an old man that's endearing as hell, and, and he was that. Yeah. Damn sure. I, I really didn't know if he was going to appear at all. I thought yeah, I didn't know either. the line about uh, him being in, you know, in a retirement facility uh, or in a, a care facility was literally just to explain why he wasn't in the episode with, without uh, yeah, killing, killing him. Off. Specifically killing him off. Uh, but I was delighted to see him, yeah. at least for a yeah, little he's, bit, he's and so for him good. to say, you know, I, I, I waited, I waited to see you. You know, everybody else, I told them hunker down. You know, don't yeah. worry about me. Mm-hmm. And it's he's he's got that very classic wolf style. Yeah. Uh, all right. I th- I think that's just about everything for now. Um, any speculation about the next episode you want to say before we? watch it and then uh you know you can be uh, proven right or wrong i'm excited to see how neil patrick harris does i think he's gonna be great i think i'm gonna have no complaints about him all right i think the plot's gonna make a hundred percent sense and i'm not gonna nitpick anything <laughs> and i think i think that at the end david tennant is going to do some something to contrast with his last regeneration mm. in the sense that Say I'm ready to if go. The previous time he, <laughs> if the previous time he he says I, you know I don't want to go. This one he'll say I'm ready to go or something like that. Oh uh, my gosh! It, it's going to be some kind of overt contrast because well, otherwise it's just a double beat. If isn't, he says, isn't Alon yeah. Z? Let's go. Yeah, maybe his last line will just be. Alon. He might say oh, Alon Z. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Well, he'll probably say he'd probably say both. Yeah, even, I'm ready you know, to go. Alonzi. Like, yeah. I'm ready to go. Alonzi. You know, something like that to signify that there's been some growth in the tenth Doctor character. Yeah, in, yeah. In addition to in the overall Doctor character, right? Right. Yeah, I mean, each Doctor has a different reaction to regeneration, but ten probably had the worst <laughs> in terms of the most like. Ah. Wasn't there something else in this episode? Oh yes. Gay doctor. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where he, he's uh, like, yeah, Isaac Newton was hot. Confirmed on hot. screen. Doctor. Right. And then Donna says, well, "Weren't you always yeah gay?" And it's like, "Well, yeah," but he never specifically said, "What an attractive young man." Right. Now uh, he says things out loud. <laughs> yeah. He says the quiet that's, part. That's loud. what fourteen does. Yeah. 
But again, it's like Russell can't uh, just write a character slightly differently than he did. He has to lampshade it and say, "Is this what I say now?" I'm yeah, doing yeah. it differently. He's different. <laughs> yeah, he's not a subtle subtle writer. He's a good writer. Yeah, I think that's fair. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll we'll see. We'll see next week. All right. The sixtieth wraps up and how we set up the f- the fifteenth Doctor. Woohoo! I'm so excited, honestly. I'm really ready. Yeah, me too. Yeah, yeah. Oh, bye-bye. Right. Bye-bye. Bye.